What we think is really cool about this season of Designated Survivor, we have a political situation in the United States that you just couldn't make up. It's exciting to, I think, be part of a show that isn't scared about tackling stuff that's really happening in the world. The system is broken, and you people broke it. It's a very complicated thing to govern 340 million people. Damn it, this is not a game. Of course it is! Season three tackles every political issue of our time. Voter suppression, HIV positive characters, campaign smearing, and fake news. Whatever happened to standards? This isn't journalism! It is amazing with the issues that when we started shooting, coming true. <laughs> we integrate real people, documentary footage made by documentary filmmakers into our show. We have one planet. Our president is not embracing all of us as American citizens. Think about your daughter. Can you be a politician and swim in the sea and not get dirty at all? That's the challenge for Kirkman this year. You're every bit as much a politician as I am. God help me if that's true. Politics do not need to be this dirty. And you have the power to prove it. <clears throat> hey, hey, hey. Hey, I've got a, a surprise for you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm just wondering where it's at. You've got, you've got to bear with me. I... I, I, I can't um I can't spill the beans just yet because it will be all the better if it's <laughs> a surprise. Uh, it's a very special guest. <laughs> Why hello? Hello, ha happy New Year. Oh, I don't think I don't think it's gone through yet. <laughs> Tom. Yo. Yo. Oh, there he oh. is. Right, how you doing? You're good. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> me, me and Yair have just been. Uh, we're we're about to talk about the TV series Designated Survivor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just totally. That's with Keith. That's with Keith Sutherland, isn't it? Where he has to become president when. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's incredible. Utterly. <laughs> irredeemable worthless imperialist trash uh, uh, i need a written <laughs> apology from you jack for making me watch this whole thing and <laughs> yeah i think this is the first time i've ever made you watch like 50 episodes or something. <laughs> usually it's just like a two-hour film it was a grueling death march through liberalism <laughs> is it is it worth watching for just the banter i guess yeah if you want to I put saw, it like that I, there are some really jokes bits yeah <laughs> yeah i had it like on in the background quite a lot and stuff although i did find it pretty absorbing at times like i was expecting it to be just mediocre uh but it's really fucking shit and it's just so i'm gonna put the pilot episode on silently on the tv the classic uh method is it like kind of 24 style West Wing? Is it more West Wing or more 24 style? Or... It's like if they had a baby. It's a totally cynical, craven yeah. attempt to combine elements of we the West Wing, 24, police procedurals and family drama, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> it's got something for everyone. 
that's literally that's like the concept of the show it says on wikipedia that like that was how they were it was like written uh by its creator as like a spec script for some producer and fucking you know it's just totally like a hack job of just like let's put all these elements together but on their own uh individually popular and see if we when we throw all this shit at the wall that it sticks yeah so is it, is it, is it the russians that did it uh, what, the oh, show. they do a I lot sus- of stuff. I, I do suspect that the show is a covert black op by Russia. Yes, I've long thought <laughs> that, that their latest technique to destabilize American democracy by making liberals look like a bunch of stupid cunts. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in the storyline of Designated Survivor, is it suggested to be the Russians who are orchestrating the terror? Um, there are some individual subplots where the Russians are definitely sneaking around doing evil things. Yeah, Russia but of definitely... Course. It's not really Russia behind the bombing at the beginning. No, Ru- Russia definitely get up to some nefarious stuff, though, throughout the show. Uh, I'm going to show you what I got for Christmas, because, of course, I've got some Blu-rays. Yeah. Nice. One of one of them's downstairs that I've basically told my dad to watch uh, to live and die in LA. Which oh is yeah, sick film. Good. Friedkin and the eighties. Especially in the last uh, fifteen minutes, like what? <laughs> <laughs> you should have gotten cruising. <laughs> you know, like, thinking about alternative lifestyle choices. Well, I am gonna man. probably I am probably gonna get that because Arrow Films have done a Blu-ray release of that as well. Uh, oh, so nice. oh, wow. if, if an era films do a release of it, it's usually worth picking up because yeah. they they do they do good restorations. I think me and Yaya both rate cruising. I, I'm yeah, a fan. yeah. I, I mean, not not necessarily not... the pursuit, but I mean the film. <laughs> I mean, not that there's anything wrong with the pursuit. I'm not against it. I've not done it oh, myself. Course. But of course, there we go. One sec. Uh, is that everything? I think got, I got everything. You got no, a Flash T-shirt on there, Tom. Oh, just some standard shit one you can buy for like four quid offline, just, just for like. I've got just, a Tom just, just 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 when I'm being like a a lazy layabout kind oh. of shirt thing. Yeah. But I'm nice. digging the Tom Petty one. I'm digging Thank it. You. Thank you. Yeah, I'm being a lazy layabout, as you can probably see. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> He's out there in his uh, Cornell University uh, sweatshirt. <laughs> just like hoodie that's the word I was searching for hoodie uh, in the situation room with his perfect wife who is like lawyer genius and beautiful and always loyal and yeah just just a perfect individual like most of the characters on this show has no discernible flaws to speak of well except for the, the character of the week from Kerfuckistan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not. I mean, Americans. Yeah, foreigners. Yeah, Americans, all of them. I, I the people the... within the administration are all flawless, perfect individuals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is it a democratic administration that's kind of suggested to be in charge? In I believe the president, Kiefer Sutherland, was in a democratic administration. At the start, but, but then the bombing happens, and yeah, he's an independent. Yeah. And not one of those cool Bernie Sanders independents, no, either. No, he's like the one other independent in the Senate who's just like a really right-wing Democrat who, for some reason, isn't in the party. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what I got for... Uh, I don't oh. actually own this on physical media, Ooh. so I thought it was about time I get 
Stick Ooh, that up your arse, David Fincher. <laughs> oh yeah, his recent <laughs> film, which is about the the other screenwriter. Lies and is... oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all based on all all comes from like an old Pauline Kael essay, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's what's so yeah, yeah. Well, Pauline Kael's a melt, and she can fuck off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> BFI. Oh, Lion, classic, excellent. But from Macron supporter Matthew Kasovich. Yes. <laughs> Oh, The Irishman. Probably the quickest new film to go to Criterion. Ooh, uh, well, along with Scorsese's then... other 2019 Netflix film, Bob Dylan Rolling Thunder Review thing. Oh, is that on Criterion as well? Yeah, right? that I came out. Was... I, I, I want to get both of these, actually. Well, if it's Criterion, if it's Arrow Films or Criterion, it's the way to go. It looks tasty, man. It looks tasty. I don't think I've got any of my presents down here with me, sadly. Oh, actually, no, I've got one. I am the nice. Mountain Goat album on vinyl. Jesus. The Mountain Goat. Getting into uh, knives. Look, it's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't taken it out for wrapping. It's very nice. It's good to touch, good to like this. Caress. This bit says, the perfect album for the millions of us who have spent many idle hours contemplating whether we ought to be honest with ourselves and just get massively into knives. <laughs> when did this one come out? When did this album come out? From this year, one of two albums they put out in 2020, not counting their live without an audience album. So, well, and then they did one in 2019 as well, they're on a bit of a fucking tear recently. Cool. And I also, I'm just going to pick up a copy of, I forgot to say, with some of my Christmas money, a copy of Touch of Evil, because the 1998 version of that is available, which is kind of the version to watch. So um, sick. So is sick. available on Eureka, mm. Eureka's range. And it's, oh, yeah. It's a nice restoration of the 1998 recut. Yeah, that's the uh, best way so. to watch that film. Yeah. It's not the director's cut, but it's closest to what mm. Wells would have wanted to yeah to do it's got like so much it's got the most stuff in it and all the stuff is good so that's good enough for me uh yeah and and, and the thing is as well is that they kind of had to use some of the studio reshot stuff like and you can tell and it's, it's like it's only minor yeah. stuff like for example the, the rear screen projection stuff in the car yeah but it's cool because you know that, they, that, you gotta have yeah. it for the plot and there's more there's extra awesome to balance it out so it's cool same with Mr. Arcadin. There's like a similar sort of restoration of that, which is fucking sick. And that's the way you got to watch that film. Nice. I need to pick up that and Midnight uh, Chimes in Midnight as well. Yeah. It's for his for his full stuff. And I think I've shown this. I forgot this a while ago though. But obviously, it's just mm. incredible film. Great, great release of that. Oh, nice. One of my favourites. <laughs> <laughs> Science fiction films. <laughs> Only Paul Hillyhoven could make a competent film about a, a robotic police cop. Yeah, that's like uh, Trevor Bastard's favourite film of all time, I think. Robocop. I don't blame him. At least it's the one he tweets about the most. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is this in my hair? Sorry, sorry. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline moderate policies. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent whatsoever. If we know who the hard left is, who associate with the hard left, you just said that we were right to right wing. Hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, hard left wing position. 
hard left, the 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 We've already we've both watched all like fifty something episodes of it. Yeah. <laughs> just gonna talk about it. That's yeah. Cool. So we're just gonna be getting into the 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 meat or in the parlance of uh, one of the early cinematic works of one of the show's stars, the cock meat sandwich of it all. <laughs> That's what we're gonna be getting into. All right, cock meat sandwich time. You know the drill. You boys ready for your cock meat sandwich? Uh, no. Well, you better get hungry real fast, because I got a whole lot of sandwich waiting for you. Yeah! Holy shit! Um, <laughs> well, I'll probably chime up every now and then. Yeah, I'll man. Try not, I'll, I'll try not to yeah. derail your conversation. It, it's good just to have you here as well, because then... You, you can be the audience surrogate. Yeah, you can, like, <laughs> laugh at our jokes and then... Ask questions that you think they might have about this incredible subject. Yeah, exactly. No, it's just it's just very good to have you here, Tom. We, yeah. We are both I'll prob- just pleased. I'll probably have some questions about the show anyway, so... Questions, <laughs> questions, just in general. Questions. <laughs> so hopefully those questions can drive discussion into areas that you haven't previously thought of we'll see how it goes yeah yeah no let's see so we've already done a little bit of preamble and talked about elements of the show i hope i recorded all of it see uh, i'm just looking at my tabs just to get up anything relevant i might need and i've just got tom's face there in the little window just poking out guiding me <laughs> along the way what do it's i not need the worst thing to look at is it no not at all I, I need designated survivor wikipedia that's probably what i'd need and then all my notes are just like messages i sent yair and uh fff or maybe you never know there could be a wicked like a, you know how you get those separate wikipedia set up for like certain if it's a show that has like a big like there's probably one for like the sopranos or something like that oh yeah, yeah. Twin yeah. Peaks wikipedia maybe there's such a huge fan base for designated survivor that's sort of set up their <laughs> very own detailed yeah. designated survivor wikipedia website yeah there actually is apparently oh <laughs> my just god it up and yeah they've got all like fucking whole pages for is. all the characters like i've just gone on fbi agent hannah wells at the moment played by maggie q by the way i'm so bad at remembering character names i can sometimes remember actor names where i don't really know anyone in this show cal penn i guess i know yeah. him from the harold yeah. and Kumar movies and his yeah. minor role in the obama administration but like <laughs> i mean maggie q is a pretty memorable name and Hannah Wells, I kind of remember. Yeah. Uh, I've, only, I've only seen Mission Impossible 3 and <laughs> Live Free or Die Hard, the fourth Die Hard film. With, I don't think I've seen anything else with Maggie Q in. Yeah, I don't um, really know her stuff much, but she's like originally a stunt woman, isn't she? She came up in Hong Kong cinema, am I right? Yes. Yes. That's good, because I got really confused, mm. and I was like, have I, like done racial stereotyping and then i realized that i was reading the bio of her character and (laughs) who has roots largely just in the united states speaking speaking (laughs) of hong kong action cinema at this point tom holds up a copy of john woo's film hard boiled 
did watch that the other day. Oh, it's good. Nice it's good. Excellent. <laughs> Before John Woo came over and was tainted by the excesses of Hollywood. <laughs> what, that like, uh, face-off and shit? Was that him or was it Conair? Well, or... face-off was actually... I do have Yeah, face-off's face cool. I, I like face-off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not too big of a fan of Broken Arrow. Uh, he also did... Good the Neil Young films, album, though, I think, Broken Arrow. Of course. Good Ranch, where Neil lived for many years. So, Designated Survivor. This is what we're going to be talking about today. We've got the original RP lineup here for you. Tom just kind of turned up, and we, we were happy to bring him into our conversation, and he seems happy to listen to us talk about a show that he hasn't seen at all and obviously to interject when he feels it necessary or well, not even necessary you know whenever you so please tom uh, oh, thank you yeah, yes. yeah yeah no i'm just laying out the rules here you know? <laughs> i believe in the rules strict, of the debate a strict rules-based international order mm. yeah I, I haven't seen designated survivor and I don't intend to, so everything I'm going to extrapolate will be from your guys' review of it. That's a wise decision, Tom. Yeah, so I mean, I was watching this, and I so I really expected it just to be mediocre. A lot of these things, you know, you watch them, and they've kind of, they've got to get past a certain threshold of watchability to even get on the air or get commissioned for a couple of seasons and they're not like screamingly bad, things can be cliched and trite but watching Designated Survivor I was like oh this shit is just real absolute shit and (laughs) I, since then I've started watching a bit of another imperialist television program called homeland which you've probably mm, heard of yeah it's got some pretty some <laughs> kind of standard interrogation in that it's just like a guy just like pulls out a knife and stabs damian lewis in the hand <laughs> and they like show that damian lewis has gone to the dark side because he like starts praying to allah and gets out of quran <laughs> so look but like even if you disagree with the ideology of american imperialism which which i do even if like mike gapes would say in gapecast about uh, homosexuality or the anti-capitalist artworks of the man he calls Banky. <laughs> you disagree with the ideology. Ah, yes, gorgeous Georgie's partner, gorgeous Gilbert. How are Georgie and Gilbert? Still loved up, warms my heart to see them together, even if I disagree with their homosexual ideology. I collect anything and everything. From cave paintings to the graffiti crimes of Banky. Here is a Binky now. He's written the word corporations and drawn a cross through it. Powerful stuff, even if you don't agree with Bonky's ideology, you have to admire the craft. The only art I won't have besmirching my gallery is anything with Russian influences. I think that there's a level of kind of competence to Homeland. It's effective drama. It's um, mm. pretty well acted. The dialogue is not just a 
incessant <laughs> parade of trite cliches and platitudes. There's not never-ending shots of people walking down long corridors, passing yes. them around, <laughs> intensely talking, and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, see, you've not even seen the show, but yeah, there's loads of that in there. There's <laughs> just so much. How is that? Aaron right, Sorkin-style okay. walking and talking. It's so annoying. And the talking is, like, yeah. just the worst of all, because it's just <laughs> awful fucking dialogue. And there were, like, multiple points that I was watching this show. This is why I kind of... Oh, what, to, we're back to Designated Survivor. Designated Survivor, yeah, no, no, not Homeland so much. Okay. Designated Survivor. I think what made me want to talk about it with Yair was that I just kept saying kind of aloud to myself like muttering under my breath like while i was watching it just like this is an evil show <laughs> it's like <laughs> I, I just not like this is a bad or incompetent piece of uh, television which i did also come to think pretty early on in my viewing of it i have to say i started to think like there is something really insidious and vile about this show and this is actually mainstream propaganda entertainment for the military industrial complex and for america's god-given right to dominate the western hemisphere and be the eastern one for good measure but that's a quote from alex cox's film walker that i just wanted to get in (laughs) (laughs) the most disgusting base exaltation of america's role as world police 100 percent. yeah there's that one episode with the made-up country uh kunami where (laughs) (laughs) such stupid made-up names like and there's a u.s destroyer isn't there that sort of gets stuck in their waters oh yeah yeah and the ambassador from Kunami rightfully says to the president, if there was a Kunami destroyer in U.S. waters, you would be sinking it. And Kirkman doesn't say anything, really, in response to that. <laughs> He's just like, no, no, but we're We better. need to save these sailors. <laughs> no, but we're America. You, you yeah. Say, you're, you're foreign. And then yeah, the, it, it always boils down to <laughs> we America, we good, yeah. Yeah, but Kirkman, I mean, is like, we gotta save these American boys. But in the end, he just accepts that this fucking psycho who's captain of the ship just, like, dies, just goes <laughs> down with the ship so that this country doesn't find out that as they suspected, because it was obviously what was happening, <laughs> this US military ship was in their waters to spy on them. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we can't find out, but we were like parked outside the port of their capital city to gather intel on them covertly. And there's no real discussion on the morality of that act, just that it's heroic that this guy is 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 covering it up for the US. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The president tries to talk him down. He's like, look, look, your life is more important. And he's like, no, Mr. President, national security comes first. And the president's like, well, that's his opinion. And I respect that. And just lets him kill himself for just an absolutely, well, you know, I'll call a lot of things stupid and dumb as fuck in this episode probably but just like the most bootlicking reason just like just so my country doesn't have to be held accountable for what it was doing and when <laughs> when we say held accountable like 
Konami is not going to really be able to land much of a blow (laughs) against America, probably, for (laughs) violating its jurisdiction. America that refuses to abide by any sort of standard of international law. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. America. (laughs) Admiral Chernow, you are in command. I would like to proceed with the attack in Algeria as planned. Sir? Admiral, prepare us for war. That whole episode with the Konami thing is amazing because as well as just like the rank politics, it showcases one of the show's most incessant and hilariously inept and (laughs) and insulting to the intelligence of the viewer dramatic tics, (laughs) which is... So they do this thing and they, they do it twice within the space of like there's one scene in between these two scenes where they do exactly the same thing. But they're watching the evil dictator of made up bad Middle Eastern country on TV and he's like we have let me just <laughs> you mentioned the name of this fictional country is called Kunami yeah like Tsunami but with a K instead of a TS I have G to dominate in MC making bitches touch the Punani I was going to say is that like the video game company Konami. <laughs> it is very similarly spelled. Quite possibly. I mean, these guys are like, they're, they're so fucking lazy, but when it came to naming their Fidel or Raul Castro surrogate, they were just <laughs> like, uh, 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 should we call him, uh, let's think, uh, Maduro or uh, Chavez? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> then they just looked at Nicaragua and they're like, oh, oh let's just call him Ortega. <laughs> Literally, right. so fucking lazy. And like, in, in the in the episodes with the made-up Koreas, instead of North and South Korea, they've got, what, East and West Hunchu? But they call the leader of the bad one Mr. Kim. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's because there's certain people who they've calculated, Well, and when I say certain people, I mean certain entire nations and races, who they've calculated <laughs> that they, like, have nothing to lose by offending, particularly in the first two seasons where it's squarely American network TV and not a Netflix production. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, North Korea, fuck them, we're never going to sell the show there anyway. Venezuela, who cares, we're going to have invaded them within the next 10 years anyway <laughs> cuba fuck um you know it, it's basically just like left-wing countries or muslim countries i guess like not ones that are allied to the u.s like uh i don't think they directly mention saudi arabia do they do they kind of have surrogates for the... saudi arabia was it not Saudi Arabia, that episode, I think in season three, where there's the child bride. Oh, yeah, 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 no, they do. Yeah, but that season, season three is like the woke season when they're like, we're going to take on the real social issues and downplay the foreign policy, bomb first, think later dimensions of the show previously. So basically, this dramatic tick is like one character will say, oh my god, so this means... And then the other person will finish their sentence like, yes, it means that. So like at the start when the Capitol building gets blown up and all the government gets killed, someone will be like, oh my god, so you're telling me... And then the other person will be like, yes, I'm telling you that somebody blew up the Capitol building and everybody in there (laughs) got killed. Very expository. Yeah, yeah, but it kind of goes beyond expository. I mean, it's so clunkily done. Like, sometimes something will literally happen 
in front of you and then they will explain <laughs> what just happened that was yeah. spelt out in the absolute clearest of terms. Does that mean? Yes, that means. When the opportunity arises, I want to ask you about, because of course this started airing 2016, same year as the inauguration of Trump. I want to know, how do they depict the state of America in the show is it kind of obama era everything's oh. fine it's like what if we had obama if, what if we had someone like obama addressing the issues of the trump era when of course yeah. you know, most of the issues of the trump era were also issues during the tenure of a president yeah. who was a bit like obama shall we say <laughs> but also if around a dozen or so 9-11s happened in that time frame there are yeah, so yeah. many massive national disasters that where hundreds of people are in danger or dying. <laughs> uh, on pretty much a weekly basis. I don't know, though. Sometimes it gets kind of low stakes. Uh, I know, I guess they do try. I was saying it gets kind of low stakes, but they do try and like do a genocide at one point. By, like, <laughs> yeah. like these fucking weird fucks try and forcibly sterilize all minority communities or something. But the thing is, it's always such a cop out in that it's just like a couple of rogue actors doing it. It's always just like a couple. Mm of guys who somehow like have the entirety of america on tenterhooks and this is just like absolutely glaring throughout the show they kind of build up this big conspiracy where the vice president who gets appointed by uh, president kunkman is like terrified of the fact that he you know people have obviously got something on him and he's caught up in this conspiracy and his wife's involved in the conspiracy and she's even more into it than him to the point that so they don't get caught she kills him and then shoots herself <laughs> and it's just like when the conspiracy just turns out to be like some cunt <laughs> just like some <laughs> sort of like military guy who's gone psycho and developed this like destructive ideology kind of it, thing. Like... they slightly set him up to be slightly trumpish with that we'll take america back or what although wtab is not as catchy as maga i gotta say are you talking about the lloyd George H. oh lloyd the terrorist guy who does yeah the, the guy who's behind yeah. the bombing and stuff yeah it feels like the show doesn't want to say, oh, there's like an element of the security state that's involved in this. It's all just kind of like bad eggs. Yeah. Know? It's all and bad like, individuals. It doesn't touch on the fact that he has lots of support from these right wing people. It's just they, yeah, kill him and you solve the problem. The dramatic tick, like, the, so in that episode where, like, there's the sort of hostage crisis where the American warship is fucking docked in, like, made up country the, pre the president is in ultra brainiac mode he's got his glasses on but apparently according to his aides don't look very presidential and he's like stroking his chin like my god this is a, this situation gets more complicated by the minute and then the fucking the president of made up country comes on the tv and he's like we have seized the boat from the american dogs we now have this boat i repeat the boat is in our possession and the president is like, my God, we now know what they wanted. Dot, dot, dot. 
the boat <laughs> and then like two scenes later some fucking shit happens and again i guess like the president of made up country comes on tv in his national address where he reveals all his secret plans <laughs> he's like now we have seized the boat from the americans we are going to trade it back to them for permission to start a nuclear weapons program and the president is watching this and he's like oh my god you know what this means. <laughs> they, they're going to try and trade the boat back with us for a nuclear weapons program. Like, yeah, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Like, every step is just, like, it's laid out for you and laid out again just in case you missed it. <laughs> I guess, like, that was my key takeaway from the show is just its firebombing approach to diplomacy so there'll oh, yeah. always there'll <laughs> always be these scenes where the president has to meet some kind of foreign diplomat and they'll come into his room and he'll just proceed to like belittle insult threaten them and their families and the governments of their countries at the very start iran are like up to some shit Apparently, they're, like, militarizing a certain area because they figure, oh, the U.S. have let their guard down because their entire government's been blown up and all that. So Iran, like, send his troops out. So he's literally saying this right now in the scene, but the Iranians have, like, had a military presence in this area for the last 35 years after General Jack D. Ripper is like, I want blood. We need blood. <laughs> uh, and then, despite knowing full well that this is just... Just like a ridiculous like, overreaction in Iran have again been pursuing this goal for like 35 years he calls up the Iranian ambassador to the Oval Office and he's just like listen you motherfucker <laughs> I will kill your entire fucking government I think yeah what he says is you do not want the international headlines to go from the tragic loss of our government to the decimation of your capital <laughs> and he's like yeah basically like we will reign hellfire rolling thunder upon you the likes of which you have never seen my defense department has war game this out they're waiting for me to give them the green light, which I assure you I will do, unless you pull your destroyers back to Bondor Abbas within the next three hours. Mr. President, I Mr. Will... Ambassador, you may not know much about me, but what you should know is that I'm about as straight a shooter as you're going to find in Washington. So you should believe me when I tell you that I do not want, as my first act as Commander-in-Chief, to attack Iran. But as both of us know, it's not always up to us how history plays itself out. Now, I have chosen to believe that your country is not playing on our emotions tonight, but nevertheless, you will feel the full impact of them if you do not comply with my demands. Mr. Ambassador, dock your destroyers, or the lead story on the morning news will not be about the attack on our capital, but the devastating attack on yours. Please, Mr. Ambassador, let's not get off on the wrong foot here tonight. Mr. President, I will speak with my government. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador. I just got to add that that is the anti-war position in the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, what you do to prevent a war. You're like, I'm going to murder your entire fucking government. Isn't that around the same time where he's saying to all his generals, like, 
I will personally slit every Iranian's throat, but you need to yeah. be 100% <laughs> sure it was them, not 80%. Exactly, 100%. the sensible centrist position. I will drink the blood of every Iranian woman and child, <laughs> but I need to know that they are actually Iranian and not the country next door <laughs> we need the right kind of intel not the intel we got back in 2002 <laughs> when we went into the other one listen just as long as i don't drink any saudi children's blood because we have oil interest there that is not part of a deal so the show the central premise is as we've already discussed someone who is unlikely to take the presidency gets the presidency through a long-standing I'm... tradition i'm getting there's a thread that runs through each of the three seasons but the central premise is basically you'd be wrong set up this yeah it's to set up this american president character who has to become gung-ho and has to say stuff that you wouldn't expect of a president he has to become this is that what they're trying to do like this kind of no, nah, not really. He everything. Is there, like a, is there a consistent thread that runs through the series at least, or no, is, it's it, an ex- is it? Okay. It's not an initial setup to then let other stories come from it. It's typical of most television we get these days. After the end well, of the first season, pretty much the only reference you really get to the original premise is that he's sometimes a little unsure. The president, you know, like yeah, yeah. They pretty no. much drop it. It's just like, no, it was just that one mad cunt. It's fine. It's all sorted. Yeah, out. they kill it's the just... guy at the end of the first season who did the bombing, and then that's it. That's it's that just, story yeah. done. Like, right at the start, like, the, the governor of Michigan has responded to the terrorist attack by just deciding mm-hmm. to, like, lock up every single Muslim in Michigan, which has the highest Muslim population yeah. in America. And so he's just literally on some, like, Nazi shit. And the president is, like, pretty pissed because he's violating people's constitutional rights and all that. And the president, like, tries to reason with him uh, and eventually has him arrested for treason and put in jail. And then, again, Again, just once you take the bad apple out of the equation, it's all sorted. There's no mention to, like, the situation in Michigan again, like, All the cops and the National Guard who was perfectly willing to go through with those orders, perfectly. They were willing, they were willing to fucking secede. They were literally, like, (laughs) we've declared independence. Michigan. And then the president just puts the ringleader in jail, and they're like, alright, we go home. It's, that's like the first real, like, big dick move from Kirkman when he arrests the guy for treason. (laughs) If I may. You may not. Governor, you violated the rights of the citizens of Michigan, and today you conspired with the National Guard to defy a direct order from the president. James Royce, I am placing you under arrest for treason against the United States of America. Marshals. Reasonable and thoughtful, huh? Most of the diplomatic conduct that you've described in the show sounds like something you'd see in, like, Decker. (laughs) Like, yeah, really? yeah, it's like, I'm gonna put arrest, you're arrested for treason, Mr. Taliban. This is the old abandoned CIA zipline station. Why'd they ever mothball it? Davidson shut down the zipline station last year to protect the Hawaiian tree frogs. <laughs> Typical bullshit from Davidson, always kowtowing to the special interests. Because the, the only, he keeps prioritizing frogs over families. The only endangered species we're gonna have to worry about is us humans. I better get going so I get attacked the Taliban. <laughs> it's pretty much like that. I was truly just... shocked that Texas didn't secede. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Just, I guess they just oh, could only focus. They on the say one that state. every election. And it, 
you know? and it's one hideously bald governor <laughs> and uh, the police in Michigan kill this young boy this young Muslim boy around this time the Republican Party's designated survivor which just to explain is like the member of the cabinet or I guess the Republican shadow cabinet, if it's even called that in America, who gets to sit out the State of the Union address in case something happens, like the Capitol is bombed and the entire government's killed. So, like, the Republicans have an equivalent of Kirkman, and uh, Mm -hmm. she is called Kimball Hookstratton. Made-up name. Yeah, ridiculous <laughs> fucking name. Like, what the fuck? And she has, like, no discernible right-wing views. Uh, not really any discernible views at all. You know, in the end, he makes her his education secretary, and she just completely disappears. Like, I guess <laughs> education isn't a priority of the Kirkman government. Like, the kids have got to fend for themselves. <laughs> but she has no, like, discernible Republican views, really, apart from, like, at the start, when this, like, fucking psycho is like, Yeah, I'm bald, I'm gonna kill the Muslims, yeah. <laughs> and his actions are directly responsible for the death of this young boy. And she's like, he's a good man he's just wrong i'm like it's a pretty big thing to be wrong over and suggest to me maybe he's not a good man so i guess that's the show's like idea of grown-up bipartisanship is like hey look just because you kill little children it doesn't mean that's your beliefs and i respect that <laughs> And of course, like I was going to say to Tom in his answer, is it about he does things you wouldn't expect of a president? No, it's an extremely conservative show. It loves the office of the presidency. And it's basically like whoever you are, whatever you believe, once you're in the presidency, you become the president. Which is obviously not true because Donald Trump, but there's a reason that this fantasy was made concurrently with the Trump era, I think, because people still want to believe in the sanctity of the office. Yeah, um, it's almost that's... like a sort of redemptive propaganda for the presidency. Yeah, and so I say, well, how can Kimball Hookstratton forgive... Cuckstratton. <laughs> Cuckstratton, a real conservative. How can she forgive, like, Baldy, hideously bald man for being responsible for that kid's death and it's like well tom kirkman kills kids in this as well like he's <laughs> in one episode the u.s they're doing a military campaign somewhere they're like bombing the shit out of like somewhere in the middle east i think and the the, the, the foreign bastards for some reason they decide to cover up a hospital presumably to trick the lovely benevolent us into bombing the hospital (laughs) uh, as you do so they disguise the hospital so that the us have no choice but to bomb it and kill 22 civilians including children (laughs) so for generals i think he may have sacked jack d ripper at this point so he's just got like general gapes and general akehurst with their more moderate <laughs> policy views and they're like sir should we uh like de-escalate the bombing campaign and he's just like no just 
make sure you don't kill any civilians. And it's like, oh, that's all right then. I guess like the, <laughs> the first stage of the bombing campaign, they had a like, okay, you can kill a few civilians in three minutes. <laughs> Just try and like keep it under 20. And they did 22 and bad optics and all that. Uh, well, it's just for, about it's everything is a false flag or uh, you know crisis actors so it doesn't really surprise me that they would be how could how dare they make us bomb that hospital by not making it more obvious that it's a hospital that's like <laughs> the classic thing is that they've got to have this kind of like get out clause of like oh no but the u.s weren't just like brutally bombing the place they wouldn't do that they would have obviously held their fire if only they knew but sadly you just can't trust these foreigners because they're always up to their tricks trying to score points what were some other like schemes that the foreigners got up to in the course of uh, of course russia and <laughs> uh, russia R- russia was paying those ukrainian terrorists to oh, take yeah. over a plane yeah well, that was so clearly a reference to that plane that disappeared wasn't it i, I guess like over ukraine yeah it's, it's probably something like that yeah <laughs> and this isn't really political but they did oh man at the beginning of the episode you know the president finds out there's a person I've never mentioned before, but who I knew and was really close to on this plane. <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, he's going to die, isn't he? And <laughs> lo and behold, they save every single fucker on the plane, and he still finds it's... a way to die. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a doctor, and he dies, again, like the the American. It's Again, like, you know, there's saving lives in the capacity as a doctor, and then, like, protecting the U.S.'s nefarious spying campaigns around the world. These have equal moral weight. But, yeah, just like the guy who went down with his ship, the doctor, <laughs> like, refuses to leave the plane because he's tending to one ill patient who somehow manages to get out, but he doesn't. <laughs> like, they're just like, oh, sorry here i'll just push you up oh no i'm stuck in the plane absolutely ridiculous mawkish shit you can very easily tell when they've just introduced somebody to kill them off later there was another one i can't remember the exact specifics of the episode but the president goes to meet some soldiers who are going to go out and do a special ops mission and of course one of them has a soft story about like well this is not a soft story yet but he's got like a baby on the way and he's got a wife back home and you're like hmm What's going to happen to you, huh? <laughs> he doesn't make it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's like the one guy. They're like, just before the mission, like the commander's like, I'm pretty happy to say that the Navy SEALs have never lost a single man <laughs> in the line of duty. It's like, oh, well, I think that record may be broken tonight, my friend. Um <laughs> And then he's so upset about that. He's way more upset about that fucking... The one Navy SEAL who dies than he is about the 22 civilians (laughs) who he personally has killed. (laughs) Yeah. That episode with the Russian plane crisis, you also get, again, to meet some ambassadors, the Russian and the Ukrainian ambassadors, who are both just, like, comedy fat men, like, bald Boris Yeltsin lookalikes, like, you know, (laughs) a bit like Asimov, bigger than their actual heads. Yeah, 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 exactly. And 
<laughs> it's just like swinging vodka in the Oval Office. <laughs> like, oh, I am stupid. No, I think the, Ukra- <laughs> the Ukrainian guy is just like, oh, I am a comedy foreigner. And then the Russian guy is like, I am a, a sinister foreigner. And they, they, so they sort of have a good cop, bad cop thing yeah. going. Don't bother sitting down. You won't be here long enough. Mr. President, my country... Has done absolutely nothing. But sit on its hands. Not a single overture to the hijackers. Yes, because they do not listen to us. And your country, Ambassador Pavlov. Does not negotiate with terrorists. Especially with the ones they're paying. Mr. President, I fear you are seriously misinformed. No, sir! You have been the one who has misinformed me, and I don't think I need to explain the ramifications of Americans being killed on American soil by terrorists sponsored by Russia. It usually is, like with the Cuba episode, same exact thing, isn't it, where they've got the good Cubans and the bad Cubans, but really they're both working together and there is only bad Cubans. Oh my god, the Cuban episode is insane. Can we, let's talk about that What's now. going on in Cuba? Yeah. Yeah, well, what, well a president... They don't seem to have a Castro-related regime, but they also don't say anything about there being a revolution, do they? I don't know. It's, there's no politics mentioned, but I think I guess in this show, like they don't really understand. You know, it's written at a kind of like a three-year-old's reading level. Basically, the rebels do mention communism like once. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe they call an American a capitalist pig, yeah. but it, it then turns out that they're working with this American capitalist. Yeah. <laughs> but I got so fucking confused because like the American delegation, including very senior diplomats is kidnapped as soon as they get into cuba like apparently no security or anything <laughs> for this lot they're kidnapped by a crew of vicious warriors and you have to assume that they're right wingers because the government of cuba is left-wing and they've said nothing to assuage you of the fact that russia uh, Russian, but the Cuban go- I'm so tired, but the Cuban government are left wing in this episode then you meet the rebels and yet they don't seem to have any discernible politics until they say to the American you capitalist pig uh, <laughs> so it's like are these guys even more left wing than the Cuban revolutionary <laughs> government but it turns out that they're just stooges for the government anyway and then Tom Kirkman invades Cuba and uh, he reluctantly, ends... reluctantly yeah, and then af- yeah, he ends the Cuban Revolution after 60 years and starts a process <laughs> of democracy, which I presume means heavy market reforms and probably war <laughs> for, like, the next, you know, you know how, like, when the US brought democracy to Iraq, it's going to be like that Beautiful in Cuba. Success. They don't even float the idea of it being the 52nd state or anything like that. <laughs> no, uh, not quite, no. Since the 19th the Cuba- century. <laughs> Isn't the Cuba episode around the time his wife dies and she just gets it's such an anticlimactic death like yeah just... comes out of nowhere <laughs> It's well, like the only had... accident in the entire show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything else happens for a reason, but she just gets fucking T-boned by some drunk driver while she's in <laughs> the, her massive motorcade, where they're really supposed to be looking out for this kind of thing. But um, <laughs> is, this season, is, fucking... is this season two, is it? Uh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah so, so it's like, fucking... a, like a third of the way through season two. Yeah. Interesting, yeah, because, of like course, that. the show got cancelled eventually because of complications of actors contracts mm-hmm. so maybe oh. that, maybe they were starting to write out characters because they could foresee a financial problem there 
Or maybe keep oh, the shit, syllable. Maybe. Did randomly kill Hannah Wells. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She just gets fucking iced. Like I was like, oh, how is she gonna get out of this one? Because she's like invincible. <laughs> yeah. And then it's just like, oh no, this guy has just like got her with poison gas, and she's just dead. <laughs> such, again, it's such an anticlimactic death. But yeah, his wife just gets killed for no reason, and the president. I mean, he just turns into a massive pussy. I don't know how else to put it, put it. But before, where he's always just like, we're going to send in troops. I'm going to personally kill this person, you know, etc., etc. He's just like... Does he actually murder anyone oh, on the show? Oh, no. Like, personally, physically? It... Not, uh, per- personally. not personally, just don't his capacity so. as president. Oh. But he's just basically like, uh... Ah, uh, no, my wife's died. Ah, oh, I can't. I can't. I don't want to do wars anymore. I'm not a real man. What if we war. give these countries a chance to resolve their conflicts peacefully? Yeah, so he starts doing insane shit, like pulling 50% of, oh, 50 entire percent of American troops out of Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, also increasing the domestic security budget, which apparently is a dovish gesture for some reason. Like, Let's uh, yeah, bring the soldiers know. back home so they can police our state. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did you know the president's just given billions of qu- uh, billions of dollars to the FBI? Will our streets be safe again? So that's really weird. But also he becomes really hesitant. Everyone around him is like, we've got to invade Cuba. We've got to do this now. We can finally break Ortega's Sandinista stronghold. People. <laughs> and the president, just he's just kind of bowing his head and he's like, uh, guys, uh, can you just fuck off? I'm going through a lot right now and I, I need some R&R and I can't do any wars right now. Just please leave me alone, mum, and stop banging on the door. So he just... There's also a really fun... When my wife has just died. Can we yeah, please yeah, yeah. think about the imperialism another day when I get over the death look, of my wife? But look, this is enlightened. <laughs> this is liberal imperialism, okay? This show is firmly in the this 21st is, this century. Is, this is the human imperialism that the yeah, Americans have been striving for for years. And I... believes in a little thing called self-care. So, look, Kirkman, <laughs> he gets therapy. He sees this guy a bit, a therapist, and he talks him through the whole his wife being dead situation. And he sorts out his mental health. It's all good. <laughs> and he's like, we're sending troops into Cuba now. Instantly, <laughs> <laughs> like, he just gets fair. He, right, so he, he, he suffers a terrible personal loss, becomes a massive fucking pussy, gets therapy, and is cured of his pussydom and loves war again. <laughs> That's apparently, like, literally, the show equates dovish foreign policy with poor mental health. So all that remains is for you to okay the wire transfer. Where do we stand on the release of the hostages? We have Ramon Bravo's promise that he'll put them on a bus to Marti International Airport as soon as he can confirm receipt of the funds. Sir, the essence of ransom is blind faith. Bravo will either keep his word or he won't. Mr. President. If you bring unresolved emotion into the decisional process... I don't. Not intentionally, Tom. General, cancel the wire transfer. Sir, how long will it take you to get your men ashore? 45 minutes, sir. Bring the fleet in as close to land as possible. If a shore force doesn't get the insurgents to back down, send in the Marines. Yes, sir. I'll have a congressional statement of support ready to issue. Good. 
what the hell just happened? He made the hard decision, but the right one. I think the president's back. Hallelujah. And that's also his greatest flaw throughout the entire show as a character is that he, he, he was sad when his wife died, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, how can we trust a man who, who's sad that his wife died? <laughs> <laughs> These are not emotions that we, the American people, feel. <laughs> they, they even go through it with invoking the 25th Amendment. <laughs> I was happy when my wife died. <laughs> <laughs> People can choose who who that was saying that. I was happy when my wife. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Great balls of fire. Yeah. So he 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 basically he cures his cuckness and becomes you know a different kind of cuck, a warrior cuck, <laughs> and he sorts that all out and he invades Cuba. So these issues. So is this like over several episodes? This is, or is this just? In this I can't even episode? remember. They all blur together. I believe there was just one Cuba episode, but sometimes they kind of like. I think the Korean thing was two count. episodes. And well, the arc of his mental health does continue to be part of the story because then his cabinet finds out that he was seeing a psychologist and they put him on trial, essentially. Oh yeah. Yeah, the twenty fifth amendment. I watched day. that. I was so unsympathetic because he had to do a Senate hearing or something. Yeah. So he. So it was only what like. The was, Senate's a hundred. The Senate's a hundred people. Yeah, because there's two per state, aren't there? So yeah. That's only a hundred people. Corbyn had a hundred and eighty MPs going up one after the other to tell him what a cunt he was <laughs> in 2016. A hundred is a fucking walk in the park, and Corbyn just basically stood there and took it all. Whereas Tom Kirkman is just like, well, you know what? Fuck you guys! I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna kill myself. Yes, You're I'm gonna, gonna be kill mean myself. To me. <laughs> yeah, he just storms off and it's like, well, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and especially you, <laughs> fuck you. I am going to my room. Um, <laughs> and I had very little sympathy for him. Very unstatesmanlike. Very unstatesmanlike. Yeah, uh, maybe I. I guess I. I guess he was upset about his wife still. So I'd be. Maybe I had a bit Jack. of sympathy for. Come on. Come. come. Oh man. Country the, to lead, Jack. The, the, <laughs> the way that they cover Confederate monuments. Oh my is fucking god. Insane. Go like it's so out of step with, with the times. <laughs> I guess they did that episode. It must have been couple of years ago or something but they conclude basically this is cut and dry because the president thinks it and a <laughs> wise venerable black character thinks it so you can assume that this is the official line of the show that confederate statues need to stay up so that we don't whitewash our history I thought he I was persuaded at the end to back away from that position. I know he spent, like, the whole episode saying, as a black man, I think we need to keep Confederate statues st standing because... Such a uh, weird character. They He's like this, like... Yeah. <laughs> this campaigning reverend who, like, led civil rights marches. Reverend Dale, this is a great honor for me. The honor is mine, sir. I also wanted to thank you for your willingness to compromise on the statue... In the end, we moved it to an area that was less traffic. I know that's not what you wanted. No, sir. I believe we sanitize history at our peril. 
It's nice when it's history we don't like. But not when it's something we do. Yes, sir. It's a dangerous precedent we set here today, sir. I don't disagree with you. But sometimes compromise seems to be the only way to move forward. Well, you can thank your pistol of a young lawyer here for bringing me around. She reminded me that there's no virtue in absolutism. Old lions like me can be stubborn. Yet they still roar. Mr. President. Reverend, please. Reverend Dale, may I lead you out, sir? No, but you may walk with me. I'm looking at the list of historical designated survivors. And oh, imagine if we got Rick Perry. Rick Perry was <laughs> Rick Perry was a designated survivor at one point. <laughs> during during the State of the Union back in last year or no twenty nineteen. <laughs> I mean I was thinking like what would have been the ideal State of the Union address to get designated survivors. I mean obviously the one that comes to mind is um George Bush Axis of Evil speech. That really did feel like that room was the axis of evil <laughs> yeah. in the world at that time and that the world would have been significantly better off Although, without that. Apparently Dick Cheney was one of the designated survivors for the joint address. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Ah, <laughs> oh, imagine imagine if Dick Cheney had been president from uh, what 2001 to 2009 as opposed to You mean uh, he he wasn't? Dick Cheney being president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's thinking the same thing. <laughs> the other one would have been, I think it might have been the 2012. Yeah, I think 2012, because it was mid-Obama. <laughs> and uh, some dickhead Republican invited Ted Nugent along to be his guest at the speech. And it turns out that this guy is now in prison for some kind of fraud. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny. You're like, oh, what kind of uh, career would the sort of politician who'd invite Ted Nugent to the State of the Union address have? And it's like... Yeah, okay, they're in prison. Yeah, that adds, that adds <laughs> up. Checks out. But yeah, anyway, that one could have been a hit, you know. But I guess all of you, they've never picked Bernie to be designated no. survivor. They would never, ever... I guess he's never been in the cabinet, but in every single situation, at least one good person is going to be killed. Maybe just one, but is one... One good American, too big a price to pay. Well, as Secretary of State Moss says, 15 American lives are more important than 100,000 non-American lives. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One American life is more important than 100 million non-American lives. <laughs> uh, the funniest bit, I think, or not, it's not so much funny. What I guess I thought was really grotesque, and I don't remember if, like you say, the Reverend did change his mind on the issue at the end of the episode, but... In the whole Confederate Monuments debate, the way they portray it is such a, like, tacky, reductive, like, oh, why can't we all get along? Sort of, yeah. like, a way of portraying, like, a debate around racism, which is just that it's two equal sides screaming at each <laughs> other in an equally beastly way. They're all just like, you're racist. No, you're racist. You're racist. No, you're racist. You're racist against black people. You're racist against white people. And it just goes on and on. And it's basically yeah. saying, huh, they're all so childish. Why can't they come to a sensible compromise position like the president and also this radical black 
character who we've included to validate (laughs) the president so that it's not just a white dude saying it yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That truly sucked, honestly. But <laughs> that such, was such definitely a, a really terrible take. That, that was probably one of their worst takes in season three. For the most part, they weren't. That was where their politics got slightly less shitty, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still feel like you can't really, like, clap them on the back too much. No. Like, you said, like, oh, I dread to think what kind of compromise <laughs> they're going to find on the trans rights debate. And I, yeah. I kind of said, well, look. They're not, like, screamingly offensive on the trans rights stuff. They're not wrong on most of the issues in Season 3. It's just trite and banal, the way they address this stuff. It's all been said, it's all been done, and it's really kind of, like, freakish and grotesque how they incorporate real people's harrowing testimonials in their archive footage into this fundamentally profoundly silly show after two seasons of yeah this profoundly silly as you say network television show in season three yeah they randomly are like all right let's get them by the feels and bring in these (laughs) gut-wrenching tear jerkers (laughs) we're gonna take on the issues and we're gonna be as realistic as possible in this show where it's just like west wing but with like like 20 years ago i guess the idea of good looks has changed slightly and just like in the west wing everyone has like slightly too big heads or something i'm just going <laughs> the west wing cast here uh, but just like yeah, modern day supermodels being in the west wing but with like a bit more racy counterterrorism and <laughs> you know like then they're like oh and we're gonna have like this person talking about how big farmer like killed their mum we're just gonna throw that in there we can't just write a story about the evil that big farmer do we've got to beat you around the head with stuff that bernie sanders could have used but would have probably considered too manipulative <laughs> political campaign yeah <laughs> And t- titling every episode in season three, hashtag this, hashtag oh, that. Oh, that, again, is, like, going to age so badly. So, yeah, there are some, like, differences in season three, which are basically, like, yeah, the foreign policy stuff is mostly gone, partly because he's running for re-election <laughs> and Americans don't care about that foreign policy nonsense, whatever. <laughs> oh, he's focusing on his domestic agenda, or literally just really run- not the agenda so much as just doing just running to be president but also probably because the show is now on netflix and netflix uh, want to pitch it to his wider possible audience and they're like hey maybe if your president says that he's going to uh napalm that nursery uh, <laughs> that city you know that's quite a populous area uh, the president <laughs> is saying that he'll kill uh, several thousand children there maybe we should just uh, wind that back they de-emphasize that and they also bring in some new elements such as loads of swearing oh now, yeah now they all get to indulge their inner malcolm tucker there's one <laughs> bit where kumar from harold and kumar calls this guy a cunt it's pretty hardcore you know you don't often get that in american shows no 
As, like, especially after but, season one and two is just son of a bitch, son of a bitch, son of a bitch, son of a bitch. Son yeah, of a bitch. exactly. Just li- literally like the you know same non swears over and over again, and then just like it's all like fuck you, suck my fucking dick, you motherfucker. <laughs> Tom Kirkman is just like you know our fucking constitution is the greatest <laughs> goddamn piece of shit I've ever fucking seen. According to this, I think the reason you know I got a lot of cunting faith in the American people. I've always felt they were a fantastic <laughs> bunch of fucking great Jesus. Probably, probably the ante on the, on the swearing, probably because by the third season, that's when it switched over to Netflix. Yeah. The first two seasons were ABC. <laughs> yeah, So with that's Netflix, it, yeah. you've got your complete... I don't know if you've already... You can say... You can say what you want. You know, it's like... Yeah. Twin Peaks season three kind of vibes, you know, except nowhere near as good. It's also yeah. half as long. It's literally half the length of all the other seasons. Oh man, I mentioned Kumar from Harold and Kumar is in it. A bit really hated. So for sure, it's always it's always kind of trying to like address the hot button issues. And right around the start when the shit's happening in Michigan, like the Muslims are being persecuted, and there's a real atmosphere of fear. Kumar Kalpen, that's it, <laughs> the actor's name. He gets stopped and searched by the police for no reason. Later, he gets stopped and searched and arrested for having loads of modafinil on him. Yeah! Like the, the study drug. Super weird. But anyway, this time he hasn't done anything wrong. He's just being racially profiled. But then, at the end of the episode, he's at a memorial for all the people who were killed in the attack. And this cop just kind of is, like, eyeing him up. And the cop walks towards him and you see a kind of like, oh no, here we go again, expression on Kumar's face. And then the cop just kind of stands next to him in like silent, solemn respect for the dead. Not <laughs> and it's cops. just kind of like, yeah, it's like, not all cops, bro. Uh, we're all Americans here. We can come together, bonded by what unites us. <laughs> Awful. Real, really awful, awful load of shit. Uh, cop out ending. Cop out ending for an episode largely about police brutality. Yeah, I want to ask. Just constantly you... hedging its bets. And I, I'd oh, also yeah. like to add it the second time, like modafinil. Like what the, what the heck? That's like the most pussy ass drug you can get in trouble for. Well, I guess it, these, this is like some nerd from the yeah. fucking White House. But like, it's not even like speed <laughs> or something. Like yeah, yeah. disgraceful. Disgrace. I mean, yeah, but he, again, he's a speechwriter, not a trucker. <laughs> I want to ask, because at the start of your conversation, you said, this is a pretty offensive show. What, by far, is it's the evil. Mo- evil. Evil was the word evil, I probably used. More, probably more apt, isn't it? <laughs> uh, what would you say is the most evil slash offensive episode in the three seasons? Uh, take your time, uh, take your time. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely um, the Cuba one was was definitely up there. The <clears throat> one where he kills all the children in the hospital, and then they're just like, "Oh well, shit happens. Better luck next time." <laughs> that, that was a pretty repugnant one. I'm trying to think what other like really evil shit happens. I guess it's always just kind of like the stuff when he's just like. Well, we gotta bomb. We gotta have, go to war. Maybe one of the top ones might be that I think it's in season three, where there's like a truck protest, like they block all the oh, roads yeah. into Mexico. And organized labor are just portrayed as a bunch of like racist Neanderthals. Yeah. 
which I've heard so many bad things about organized labor, but that's a new one to me. Yeah, I mean, in the third season, there's like a pro-labor episode, but it's like a teacher strike, which is the okay union to support. Not in Britain, under the conservatives, obviously, but I mean, just generally, you're like, oh, teachers union, that's that's fine. Truckers union, get these fucking speed-addled thugs in jail. Um, So it's anti-trucker, but it's also not very good politics for, like, Mexican relations, you know? Like, No, it's just like, the Mexicans send out one of their own guys to drive just right through the border, just full speed. Right through the border and get himself killed by a bunch of gun-toting, again, just like degenerate, animalistic working class Americans. Yeah. <laughs> it's like and it's equally a racist. By the foreign delegation and the Mexican government yeah. working together and bribing and stuff. All oh. these foreign governments, man, they're always up to always into something, man. Can't always can't they just have something. a nice, clean, above board politics like the American government? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean like yeah, what's the difference between this guy basically just like risking his life for some like covert shit and that stupid cunt who went down with his ship in the made-up country (laughs) but there's another bit as well there's some kind of diplomatic crisis that they have in turkey and he's like he's at this g8 meeting or something it's with no it's nato it's yeah beloved nato he's with all the other world leaders and the turkish leader is saying like oh well blah, blah 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 we might have to because you're being mean to us maybe we'll have to get rid of all the american military bases in turkey and he just flies off the fucking handle he's like you you motherfucker he just like gets up you know like throws something across the room (laughs) grabs them by the fucking throat he's like you how dare you threaten to take down our american military bases and this is what he says this is direct quote that we know protect us all I have got news for you about the perspectives of other countries around the world on American military presence in their countries. He literally, not just the character, but I guess the people writing the show, can't contemplate that an American president might even have the kind of empathy to see that American military bases are not always wanted. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) they're just like well of course they want us he just kind of assumes well of course everyone in this room knows that american military bases protect us all that's just objective fact you can't dispute that it's like arguing with the sun (laughs) it reminds me as well of the incident wherein france is apparently calling for reduction in nuclear armaments in europe and America, oh, yeah. Ed Kirkman flies out to Europe to go deal with that. And then once he gets there, might be... the French politician is like, you had some scandal. Now I don't want to talk about removing the nukes that I wanted removed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just like, oh, sorry. In case you didn't notice, I am not American. And you should have known that I am only out for myself. And whatever nebulous, vague, specious benefit I'm supposed to gain from this 
blatant policy U-turn. Yeah. That may be when the Turkey thing happens as well, actually, in that whole international summit. There's this weird thing where, like, so Cornelius fudge or whatever <laughs> fucking cornelius what's his name george hw bush whatever is like warning him about the french prime minister and he's like she's tougher than joan of arc and just as chauvinistic i'm like <laughs> was was joan of arc known for her chauvinism it's a weird word choice since it's usually associated with misogyny, but, I mean... You try being a woman getting ahead in war in Joan of Arc's time, bro. Uh, <laughs> Cornelius. See how you would have fared. Moss, but yeah, he grows on weird. a stone. And also, I just think, like, what the fuck position is this, like, wrinkly old CIA yank fuck in to call a French woman chauvinistic? <laughs> like... <laughs> glass houses bro but he manages to actually bring the french pm around because he's like listen let me put it to you like this this will blow your mind what kind of a world do we want to leave for our children and she's like my god i never thought about it like that thank you i uh, again think that we should continue our shared goal which america definitely possesses of uh, <laughs> ridding the world of nuclear weapons <laughs> you also get to meet the british prime minister a consensus that. builder yes yeah she's a british indian woman so presumably a centrist pretty patel <laughs> yes you meet her twice so the first time the president is like doing his thing he is fucking owning the room the russian is like oh mr president i have a dirty trick and he's like influent russian he's like not so fast mr russian and then the french person is like i am chauvinistic i am a surfeiting woman <laughs> what are women like eh? they are ridiculous <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and he's like again influent french now, 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 I personally happen to really respect women. Uh, and everyone's like, fucking hell, I've never heard something so profound. But anyway, while he's like just owning the room like that, you basically hear the British Prime Minister say one thing, which is to go, hmm. <laughs> and to like not to nod along to something she, he says she's like wow she's like yeah this american knows what he's talking about and then you see her later and like a typical fucking duplicitous foreign snake non-american piece of shit she's up there and she's turned and she's like conspiring with france and russia and isis and the rest to basically have a go at kirkman for being too cavalier and going to war with people and she's like we have learned from our mistakes in iraq we meaning britain <laughs> she's like citation needed although actually i will say i think the tory party have probably learned more of a lesson from Iraq than the Labour right. Hey, hey maybe in this right. universe, Tony Blair went before the Hague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be honest, it would probably be more popular in Britain at this point if we just arrest Corbyn and try him on some false pretenses. <laughs> propaganda works. That's why we're yeah. doing it. That's why we support... <laughs> we're dyed-in-the-wool liberal interventionists now because of being treated to uh, all of fucking designated survivor. Oh, Venezuela gets a little cameo as well. 
because this fucking traitor, he is repeatedly referred to as a traitor, <laughs> despite the fact that he is, like, the most patriotic whistleblower of all time. Like, this guy makes Snowden look like a jihadist. <laughs> he's very, very patriotic, and he's leaked what he leaked purely in the interest of American national security. Everyone in the show knows that what he did was right, but the president's just like, well... You're going to prison anyway. Uh, if only there was some kind of person residing in, say, some kind of large White House who could issue executive orders commuting people's sentences when they've been uh, wrongly convicted. <laughs> but uh, you've got you, look, rules are rules. They're in place for a reason, and that really is the fundamental ideology of designated survivor basically deference to america's great institutions so i'm afraid you leak classified intel you are going to prison even if you were right and the president knows you were right and it's like wow you've done a brave thing here bye then <laughs> <laughs> he's just like you've done a great thing sir <laughs> fuck off to jail now please speaking of the presidential pardon there is that episode of the three letter day where one of the three subplots has them investigating that guy who's on death row who killed a ketamine, killed someone, a, a cop during a ketamine bust. <laughs> a ketamine yeah. bust, really? I, 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 I missed this. Oh man, it was it was golden. It was golden. Turns out uh, that no, I think the it's guy, coming back to me. The guy didn't actually do the murder. He was covering up for his son who did the murder. Oh yeah. And I just didn't really understand the resolution to that because Kirkman's solution is that rather than completely pardoning him, this guy who didn't do anything wrong technically he just commutes his sentence to life imprisonment. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just like, well that's alright then and he's like, that way he does but the son got arrested for almost murdering Hannah Wells the FBI agent anyway he's going to jail He's yeah, not being protected strange. by his father. So, but it's meant to be this great diplomatic resolution where the guy on death row doesn't have to admit that his son did the murder. He can just yeah. die in prison. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Wow, what, what a great place, America. Can we, like, do a little bit of role play? Just a little sexy role play. I want to <laughs> I wanna d- demonstrate... Hannah Well, oh, I don't know how we're gonna do this without like it being done in advance. Actually, no, I, I'll direct as well as play uh, <laughs> FBI agent, special agent Hannah Wells. Okay, so yeah, yeah, right, you're a terrorist. I know. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 okay, so I, should, I shouldn't, shouldn't have said that on air. Uh, I just thought I'd remind you. Okay. Just so, like so the dialogue anyway, in this show. Hey, you know how you're a terrorist? Actually, okay, well, so we both know you're a terrorist, but you're keeping tight-lipped about yeah. it. I'm interrogating. I brought you in. Listen, you motherfucker. You're a real piece of shit, you know that? You can't prove nothing. Fuck you! <laughs> Shut up! How dare you talk to me? Fuck you! You're a piece of shit, you know that? You're, you're vermin. You're, you're, you're lower than a worm. You're a little gusano. That's what we call you in Cuba. Um, uh, I can't take uh, it anymore. I'll tell you whatever you want here. Uh, no, no, they don't do that. Nope. Anyway, so she keeps abusing them a bit more. She's like, I'm gonna murder your family, oh, you right? Should, should I, I've got your wife and kids back here. I'm gonna throw them off the top of the building. I'm gonna make sure that you're kept 
literally in a hole underground. I'm gonna make sure you're buried alive. Listen, you motherfucker. Now, then do they reveal the information now that she's threatened them and their family? No, you'll never get it out of me. You motherfucker. Okay, right. So now I'm gonna get up and pretend to walk out of the room. <laughs> and just as I get to the door... Wait! You wait. are... Yeah, exactly. You're gonna reveal everything to me. <laughs> I must confess. <laughs> and that is her only interrogation technique. Because <laughs> it's already established early on in the show. The show doesn't approve of waterboarding. Just because it doesn't work. They say early on. But hasn't it, it been does proven approve of enhanced Kung interrogation? Fu. Yeah, exactly. Well, alright, she does a bit of... But the Kung Fu is more in the course of apprehending the, the suspects than interrogating. Yeah. Sadly, she doesn't just, like, pull a knife out and ram it in one of their hands like the guy in Homeland. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how they just do that over and over again. Like, she always just gets them with a walkout trick, and they are always just fucking dumbfounded every time. You'd think like in terrorist circles after a while they'd start being like, right, when FBI agent Hannah Wells pulls you in, she's gonna do a thing <laughs> and you gotta stay strong. I know it's terrifying when she's walking out of that door. You want her to stay and call you a piece of shit. <laughs> She'd be like, you cunt. But you gotta let her walk out that door. And they're like, yep, fine. I understand the instructions. Let her walk out the door. And then just as she's walking out the door, no, wait! And then they're just thinking, it just eternally, damn it. <laughs> let that happen again. I've been tricked. <laughs> this is the last thing that we wanted to happen. Also, if you don't want to be identified, be sure not to take a photograph of anything you've touched because they can zoom and enhance and get fingerprints off of wine glasses in the background of photos. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Did we establish who fucking Cornelius Fudge actually is? Uh, Cornelius Cook. The good old Mossy Stone. Yeah. So remind me, is Donald Trump the 45th president? Yes. Right, so Cornelius is meant to be the 44th president. So he's Obama? So is he actually... Obama got a race change? But here's the thing. He wasn't killed. So there was clearly a 45th president in between yeah. him and Tom Kirkman. So it Let takes place in the check. future, basically? <laughs> yeah, this, no, dude, this show is sci-fi. <laughs> that, that would explain all the ridiculousness. I mean, it certainly isn't a world I recognize. I mean, yeah, the Cuban government is different. <laughs> yeah, but they kind of suggest that it's a government that's been in power a long time. Yeah, yeah so. so this show takes place in 2030 or something? Yeah, no, okay, so, yeah, Cornelius Moss is the 44th president of the United States. The election in the third season is the 2020 election, though. I guess the US was just founded earlier. <laughs> like, George Washington was really on a roll in this universe. He was just, like, putting in the work from, like, the womb. So, Moss served from 2009 to 2013. So I guess the other president was 2000. 14 to... Wait, where did you get 2013. that? 2009 to 14. Uh, I'm on the, you know, the fan wiki, looking All at right. Cornelius Moss's entry. This fucking shit is falling apart under the slightest scrutiny. <laughs> what did you expect? Well-written, planned out <laughs> television with this show? It's about as no. well-planned out well, as a major Hollywood franchise Like I say, days. I did... Uh, uh, 
more. <laughs> I did more than this. I mean, it's fucking awful. There's one bit where Aaron Shaw, again, you know, one of the many freakishly good-looking characters, is advising the president as is his remit, and they blatantly just cut from one take to another of him saying his line in the middle of it. So he's talking, and then while he's still talking, they cut to the president. And, like, mid-sentence, the whole sound of Aaron Shaw talking becomes different. Like, there's a different room ambience to what he's saying. (laughs) It's like, did he just record the fucking line, like, onto his phone, like, as a voice (laughs) note in the middle of the night, and then email it to the fucking editor? He's like, oh, let's just patch that in. No one's going to notice. Yeah, I'd believe it. Sir, the SEALs have secured the hospital perimeter. They're about to enter the building. We'll be monitoring the visual feeds from command ops. So if the official timeline, it goes George W. Bush had his normal presidency, and then it's Cornelius Moss for four years, then Robert (laughs) Richmond has his whole first term, gets reelected, then gets bombed, like almost immediately. Okay, <laughs> right. Is that discernible from the show, or have, is this just like fanfic? Have they, how have I they believe it. I, I, I easily will have tuned out a lot of this incredibly boring formality. I guess because nine eleven did happen in the show. Yeah, so the Bush years they, and everything must have happened. Yeah, and they talk about the war on terror and enhanced interrogation. I just figure that that shit could have happened under any American presidency. Probably not to the extent it did under Bush, but, you know. Yeah, we ah, could mention uh-huh. how, like, the First Lady character is a whole grab bag of just stock housewife tropes, pretty much. Yeah, she's a great human rights lawyer and everything, like, the best in her field. She's just, like, you know, perfect wife. That's pretty much... Yeah, she exists mostly to humanize her husband, remind him to not be such an asshole, I don't know. (laughs) And then she flip-flops a few times early on in season one, like, she's the one who's insisting that the president's kids should go live away from the white house so they can have a normal life and then four episodes later she's like oh the kids are not going to have a normal life if they can't live with their parents so they should live with us at the white house and it's yeah utterly baffling and both times kirkman is reluctant so it's almost like she's just there to disagree with her husband yeah pretty much once they start complicating her character it feels almost inevitable that she will die it's just like oh she's been tainted now she's no longer the perfect first lady so she's gonna have to be a tragic first lady but that's <laughs> another the, way that's that she can be used to humanize the man yeah 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 totally my favorite thing is like in season three what is implied is almost that this is like one of the president's taglines that this is how he self-identifies politically but in season three they start explicitly calling him a sensible yes (laughs) like simon hedges and there's another hilarious bit where he falls out big time with cornelius and he's like what happened to you you used to be a compassionate reasonable moderate conservative And obviously watching him say that, I'm just like, you fucking idiot. And to his credit, Cornelius Moss is just also like, 
You fucking idiot. Do you really think that those people exist? He's like, have you looked outside in the last few years? Like, I moved right when my voters did. (laughs) It's just so true. That was pretty much like one of the few truthful bits in the show, which is just like, you can try and like make these compromises to the right and they will continually just say, well, fuck you, (laughs) because that's what their voters want. And unlike politicians on the left and centre, they don't feel that they have to give their voters things they don't want just to force their medicine down. Yeah, yeah. And another bit of surprising self-awareness, the very last line of the show had me in stitches where Kirkman's just talking to his psychologist and he just says, I realised I was so full of shit and then cut to black. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you were. Ah, <laughs> oh, so well, that the whole thing, like what he starts to feel guilty about, is like the least of his fucking crimes. Oh, true, so, true. Yeah. Essentially, he pulls this Republican strategist, who's like kind of like you know, like fire-breathing, politic bitch. You know, just yeah. like I don't know what Malcolm Tucker kind of thing. He brings her real operator. Yeah run his campaign yeah and this show you know they've already established like aaron has to leave the white house and he goes off to work for kimball hookstratton despite being a registered democrat and he's like you know i feel that with an independent in the white house party lines matter less than ever it's like yeah go and work for a republican then okay if that's how you justify that uh, party lines matter less than ever but i am working for the leader of the republican party he hires this Republican strategist and then she, like, starts rat-fucking the Cornelius Moss presidential campaign. She, like, get, has a mole inside his campaign. And when these two guys on the Moss campaign get sent down for bioterrorism, they've been plotting <laughs> to sterilize the entire black community or something. Literally based on melanin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's this... Israeli spy software that her mole uses and she's got it on her computer and Emily who's Kirkman's chief of staff accesses that Israeli spy program because fire breathing political strategist is a boomer so she keeps her fucking password written down on a piece of paper by her computer so (laughs) um emily gets on like top secret israeli spy software and she finds that there's these like six or so voice recordings and she clicks one of them and it's like cornelius moss like Ah, why did you do this terrible, racially motivated bioterrorism campaign completely behind my back without my knowledge, which, by the way, I had no idea about. And it's like, (laughs) and she just listens to this one and she's like, my God, and doesn't click any of the other five, which could be all like, who knows, like, thank God I said that thing about not knowing anything about the bioterrorism <laughs> next to that tactically placed microphone. <laughs> so she like literally just clicks this one file and she listens to a couple of bits and it could be like totally out of context. It could be like staged. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like a 30 second long clip and they consider this total vindication 
compassion for this man who at the very least had employed two genocidal racist terrorists <laughs> to run not just work at least on, run his campaign his judgment a little yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and cuckman's so fucking sad like oh poor cornelius i've betrayed him <laughs> and in the end emily calls the fbi on fire breathing political consultant woman and i was just like you know what who cares arrest tom kirkman as well for his crime yeah. if we're gonna start arresting people because cornelius moss is a total piece of shit i mean the guy playing him is pretty good with like that avuncular old right-wing american man kind of thing yeah did Israel ever come up? I Israel don't... barely came up, I don't know. But yeah. maybe they were shook about a designated survivor anti-Semitism scandal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's weird, actually. Israel barely comes up, even as, like, one it... of the good countries. Yeah, it was kind of conspicuous to me. I wonder if they were just like, that's too controversial. Let's not go near that subject. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised, yeah. I've got a profound quote from Tom Kirkman here. <laughs> Despite recent changes to the global order, this is not the time to retreat into isolationism or populism. <laughs> it's just like reading an interview of Eddie Marson, where he's just like, these are the fancy words what I picked up from The Guardian... The, the fast-changing, globalized economy got to adapt to it. I'm very sorry that you lost your job, sir. But as to what I can do to help bring it back, the answer is nothing. It's gone for good. And if some politician told you otherwise, they were lying to you. And I won't do that. Now, the reason why jobs like yours have disappeared isn't just because of cheaper labor in some other country. Primarily, it's technology take a shot every time they mention bipartisanship or unity or consensus well that's <laughs> what i was gonna get to like so i mentioned the thing where he's like what happened to you cornelius you used to be a compassionate conservative and he's like ah, you fucking idiot i always hated the poor and minorities <laughs> my fucking favorite recurring trope in designated survivor is when there'll be some like grave issue of national security like Turkey and Russia have conspired to bomb the air bases or something. They're going to give the air bases to yeah. to Cuba. He'll say, you know, I think I need to bring the leadership of the house in on this as a courtesy. And his aides will be like, I don't know, Mr. President. They're just going to try and politicize it. And he's like, <laughs> no, they wouldn't. These are good people. These are public servants. And this is an issue of the national interest. They would not play politics with something as grave as our national security. And then every single time, the politicians yeah. are all out for themselves. None of them are as pure and good and as And every Tom single Kirkman. time, the Kirkman faction is completely baffled that politicians would make politics about yeah. politics. Yeah, he's always, like, just deeply shocked and upset. And it completely fucks up whatever plan he's, like, painstakingly drawn out. He's like, this is the one thing we didn't expect to happen. And it's always, it's always just like he talks to Republicans and he's like, look, I'm just going to need you not to say 
say anything racist for the next two hours. <laughs> and they're like, oh, sure thing, Mr. President. I won't say a racist thing. And then they get out <laughs> as soon as they step out of the office. Yeah. They're just like, listen here, I got a few words beginning with N. Other, <laughs> other things to tell you, Mr. Journalist. That happens so much, which is that he'll just try and brook some kind of bipartisan compromise and they'll just throw it back in his face and what the show is trying to say is that why can't everyone be as good as him why can't everyone be the grown-up in the room like he is and this mature person who is gonna reach across the aisle bipartisan marketplace if these politicians of would just stop playing party politics yeah we'd get so much more bullshit done yeah well he basically does destroy the u.s two-party system he does a, like yeah i, I think also they, <laughs> they somehow like... elect 150 independent congress people that's totally possible yeah so the democrats and republicans they just turn into these little rumps yeah <laughs> <laughs> And he keeps on getting betrayed by people he chooses for his vice president. Oh, yeah, 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 they all... So he hires, like... First of all, it's the guy who's literally part of the terrorist plot, who gets <laughs> killed by his own also-terrorist wife. Then who is it next? Well, for ages, he doesn't have a VP, and yeah. I kept on wondering, are they just not talking about it? Because they don't mention it at all. It's, yeah, it's he's really just like, I've been burned, you know, I don't want to put my heart on the line again. I've been, <laughs> been hurt too many times. Yeah, then he decides to pick that progressive black woman, because yeah. he's like, oh, she's real she's about the issues not just about becoming president herself and then like two episodes later she's like sorry mr president but a i'm going to lead this no confidence proceeding (laughs) for being upset about your wife's death and secondly i also want to become president myself he may i'm running against you yeah Yeah, he he makes cornelius (laughs) secretary of state yeah he makes him his secretary of state the guy is like obviously a big hawk as you can imagine and then when it comes time to the presidential election both the democrats and republicans invite him to be their candidate the republicans have this great (laughs) thing firstly you see the democrats saying you're progressive on pretty much every social issue in the book and then the republicans meet him they're like strong on foreign policy fiscally conservative (laughs) I'm just like, how is he progressive on social issues if he's fiscally conservative? For various is, I wish I'd have made a note of it, but there's this thing where they're listing, like, the important issues, and he's like, listen, we've got to get the economy, education, defence the economy back on track (laughs) he he basically says the deficit twice so he's like we need to improve (laughs) education and equalities and the deficit and balancing the books it's like yeah those are synonymous mr president he's supposed to be an academic as well he's not very good one like you wouldn't be a good academic if you believe all this stupid centrist bullshit <laughs> like you're just an idiot <laughs> you're just like oh yeah everyone works together in the national interest i'm like sorry why would a university employ someone i know they do but like st- foolish <laughs> yeah i wasn't joking earlier when i mentioned that he pulls out the trump card and when he's talking to the ukrainian and russian ambassador they start conversing in russian and he's just like fuck you guys i speak russian too just absolutely rinses them by speaking fluent russian <laughs> we should all proceed with caution 
There's a Russian proverb. Хороших друг, осторожних друг. A cautious friend is a good friend. I prefer. Говори не одни слова, а дела. My wife's family is Russian. Her grandparents didn't want her dating a poor academic, so I learned their language in an effort to win them over. Because I'm thorough. If a single person is hurt on that plane, let me explain how thorough I will be. I will wake up every morning determined to punish those who are responsible. And when your bosses start calling, trying to figure out why we've severed diplomatic relations and the sanctions just keep mounting, two names will be used in my explanation. Sobenyatna. Sobenyatna. That'll be all. What did he tell them? Playtime is over. Out of the blue. Like, I'm sure he'd never said anything about speaking Russian before that. Yeah, it's never mentioned. It's just like, oh, you know, you but know, oh, I did. He also actually, in that scene where he speaks to them in Russian, he takes a break and then in English explains why he knows Russian yeah, for a yeah. few sentences. Yeah, he's like, like nobody asked. Yeah, <laughs> like, I can see you're extremely impressed. Well, as it happens, I was in the KGB youth wing for a few years in the late 80s. <laughs> My father was a visiting spy for the CIA, and I, it was then that I met a young Vladimir Putin, and we have been fast friends ever since. Did we mention that there was three entirely different writing teams pretty much <laughs> yeah that's so funny <laughs> it's created by some guy who was obviously just like i have no attachment to this project whatsoever i do not care as long as i get my exec <laughs> producer credit and then they hired a head writer and then she quit before they'd really made the show and then midway through the first season <laughs> the showrunner quit and they got a new one and then the second season has none of the same writers and, and then nor does the third season as either of the previous two seasons which makes sense because it changes tone and style almost completely over and over and over again yeah i mean it has some and so few of the episodes have any connection to each other there are some threads but the big foreign policy thing almost never comes up from each episode you know yeah, I mean, I'm very tired. I had something else to say, but I'm just gonna <laughs> say instead that Keeper Sutherland looks a lot better in season one than he does by season three. It's like he's actually been president for three years <laughs> of deterioration. It's like, have you seen Keir Starmer recently? I don't know if he's... Someone quite rightly said on the old Twitter that he kind of looks like what you'd expect someone to look like if they hang out with the right-wing ghouls of the Labour Party for too long. Yeah, exactly. Just drain all the blood from your face. Or fill it with... I'm too tired. I can't, like, structure jokes. <laughs> I, I, I think, start thinking of the components and they don't come together. So your sleeping schedule being all fucked up? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty pretty much we're not going to be the first leftist podcast to cover it but none of ones that are particularly famous have done it i don't think um, there was one i forget the name but they did two episodes called designated cuck but it, 
It wasn't really, wasn't my kind of thing, because it was just, it was the sort of thing where they just say an online meme and everyone laughs, and I was just, I don't really like that. Because I, I never, I don't find, I, I, I hate the, most podcasts. I hate the internet, and I don't find memes funny, and I've we only make our ever, own memes. I've only That's ever used memes to further my own agenda in a <laughs> cynical way. Yeah, a bit about the FBI threatening the jihadist family. He's like, we're going to fucking snatch your elderly mother from her Dubai home and deport her to Pakistan, where she'll probably die. That was definitely one of the things where I was like, this is an evil show. This is the quote-unquote good guys who are saying this. All the governors are complete fascists. They at one point propose a nationwide ban on immigration. (laughs) Going a little (laughs) bit further than Trump's Muslim ban. They're just like, let's ban all immigration. Great ideas. Here is a classic Kirkman compromise, which is that there's this plane full of immigrants that's grounded in Florida. And like I say, all the governors of every state are fascists. In Florida, it happens to be a Latino fascist. But nonetheless, <laughs> these refugees from somewhere, possibly a real or possibly a made-up country, I don't know. Oh, it's, it's another case, sorry to interrupt, it's another case of where it gets mentioned offhandedly at the very beginning of the episode, and you just know yeah. it's going to become a central issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the governor is like, you get off that plane, I will fucking kill all of you. We're going to secede like Michigan, blah, 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 blah. Eventually, the president compromises by he deports the immigrants, but only to Canada. <laughs> so they just like, they go and live in Canada instead. That was a classic company compromise. compromise. Pick up our slack, Canada. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> Oh, hey, they're decent human beings up there. Well, compared to us, anyway. <laughs> um, so, they're, like, interrogating this guy, Hannah Wells and whoever else is fucking the FBI. And so they're like, yeah, we're going to deport your mother and the fucking Pakistan and you're going to hang her or something. I don't know why she was going to die, but they heavily suggested she was going to die, possibly, but... Maybe she's sick or something? Yeah, Yeah, that was probably it. Anyway, so they threaten his family, and they're like, so why'd you do it, eh? What possible reason could you have to dislike the United States? And it's almost like uh, in MacGruber, where Lieutenant Dixon Piper asks MacGruber, so MacGruber, why does Kunth hate you so much anyway? And MacGruber's like, oh man, I have no idea. I mean, I just uh, <laughs> fuck, stole his girlfriend and then made her get an abortion with his baby you know, <laughs> so we could get a new start. Why did he do it? Why did Kunth kill your wife? To this day, I have no idea. We actually all went to college together. Believe it or not, we were very close friends. After graduation, uh, he got engaged to her. He asked me to be his best man. And right about that time, I started banging her and mowing her box. Uh, She was actually the first person I felt comfortable enough around to uh, let eat out my butt. Anyway, shortly thereafter, uh, she left him for me. She was actually carrying his child at the time. I asked her to terminate it, obviously, so we could start fresh. And she agreed. Uh, We were so in love. And he took that from me. It's really fucked up. 
it's just like that, basically. So they're like, what turned you against the United States? What gave you this sick delusion that led you to hate us? And he's just like, <laughs> oh, you know, I, I don't know, really, I guess, apart from the drone strike that killed my family and a hundred other civilians. <laughs> but then, <laughs> again, it's just like the thing where they had to reveal that the foreigner wasn't too good after all, or that the US didn't really mean to bomb the hospital. It was just that the foreigners had covered up the hospital so that the US didn't know it was a hospital. It turns <laughs> out that this guy who's all sad because the US killed his family in a drone strike actually has a secret second family. So look, it's not America's fault. This guy, he doesn't live up to... I mean, possibly, maybe he's from a country where you can actually have multiple wives and so it's not even, like, breaking the law or anything. He's just doing a perfectly normal thing for his culture. But it's just the US just like, look, he's bad, honestly. He doesn't respect the sanctity of marriage. I mean, yeah, sure, it sounds like his previous wife got killed in a drone strike, but how dare he remarry? How dare this motherfucker? <laughs> Again, just like classic classic designated survivor manipulation being like yeah. oh yeah yeah he's got he's classic got a second designated survivor manipulation oh no the guy's got a second family it's cool that we killed his first family in a drone strike there's 50 episodes of this stuff tom 50 over yeah, 50 yeah i keep like being like oh we've covered all the major diplomatic crises now and they we never fucking have thank you for showing me why i should never ever watch this show Thank you. Yeah. We did it no. so you didn't have to. Yeah, man. You took the bullet no, for me. I appreciate it. You're more than welcome. Uh, there's a... Sorry, I'm so tired. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, he was going to do a drone strike at one point, and then, because he's pro-war, but he's careful when it comes to war, firstly, they were like, no civilians will be killed in the airstrike, and he's like, oh, that's fine, I think this is the one where they destroy the hospital. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the one where they destroy the hospital. <laughs> but yeah, initially they abort the mission because the terrorist's not there, and I'm like, are we sure that he hadn't had his secret second wife die before this that had made him anti-war? Because I think a real American president would have done the strike even if the terrorist wasn't actually there. <laughs> Before we do anything, the FBI is absolutely certain that Al Sakar was behind the attack. 75%, sir. 75%? That's as high as it gets when it comes to a call like this. 75 is still a C on a test, General. This is not a test, this is war. All the more reason to get it right, don't you think? Sir, I know we got off on the wrong foot. You did a fine job staving off the Iranians last night. But I am advising you that the country is on the brink and talk will not work here. America is demanding action and I am giving you an enemy we can kill. You think I don't want to strike back against the people who did this? I want to find every single person involved in this attack from planning to execution and rip them limb from limb, which is why I need to know exactly who did this. Come back to me with more than 75%, and I'll launch the damn missiles myself. How much more? 25, damn it! Completely. Uh, I, you, you just reminded me, of speaking of drone strikes, because they do come up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at the end of season one, when they found Lloyd, the guy behind the bombing, in his bunker, and he's got sarin gas, uh, <laughs> yeah. which he's threatening to use on Washington, D.C. They call in a UAV to do a drone strike, and suddenly the leaders of the Senate come and issue an order through the courts to stop because you can't use the military against U.S. citizens. That's illegal. 
Try so telling they... the people of Waco that. Well, wasn't that the FBI? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, sorry. Honestly, you kind of spoiled. Did the, the National whole Guard thing. count? I think the National Guard's fine. You're just not allowed to use the main armed forces, and okay. they're holding a night court session to hammer out this issue. Oh the... man, that's some real Keir Starmer shit right there. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, you smashed a shop window during the London riots, did you? Well, don't worry, I am going to stay up all night to give you your 10-year sentence. <laughs> exactly, working overtime. <laughs> to, in this case, we're supposed to be rooting against the people who are arguing that we should use the military against citizens. <laughs> and ultimately, the president comes to this compromise beautiful Kirkman compromise where he'll get the FBI to order the drone strike (laughs) and then it's not the military anymore boom problem solved and then the senators are like wow president that is genius even though we were trying to stop you we think what you did was a great compromise so wonderful the funniest fucking thing is that when he gets his therapy and realizes war's good again and invades (laughs) uh, his aides literally turn to each other and say uh firstly he made the difficult decision (laughs) but the right decision he made the hard decision but the right one and the other says the president's back. Yes. <laughs> I think the president's back. Once that bit of blood is spilt, well, they smell blood, they're just like, yes, yes, kill the foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he has his Liam Neeson moment, the president literally says, if you do something that I don't like, I will find you and I will kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will personally kill every last one. I will rip their throats up myself. Yeah, he likes that kind of posturing quite a lot. Oh, and just like finally the annoying-faced son is up on there at the moment, and at the start of it, he's just like, oh yeah, I'm just going around to friends to uh, program a dubstep track <laughs> or something. Uh, and he's not, he's obviously lying, because he's going off to like try and sell some ease. He's but, a drug um... dealer, which comes up exactly once and then never comes up again after he explains, sometimes people just do things. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then they're just like, well, I guess that's his beliefs and I respect that. And the press don't seem to work it out. Like, no one's one's bought a bit of gear off him and is like, oh shit, well, that guy, hang on, I recognize that kid on TV. I bought a fucking bag off him. (laughs) I think, anyway, it's good to return to something that's very much in favor of American liberal interventionism. There's not enough media like that. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's (laughs) the ones that advocate kind of conservative interventionism, (laughs) your American snipers and so on. But. Yeah, I feel like we rang in last year with a highly interventionist film as well, Michael Bay's Three Six Mafia, and <laughs> I'm very pleased that we've been able to return to that warmongering territory and, in the words of Eddie Marson, promote some democracy in other countries. <laughs> Fellas, it's been real. It's just unfortunate or fortunate, however you look at it, that this show's been cancelled twice now been cancelled man another victim of cancel culture Uh, (laughs) that's like a kind of line they'd have in season three when they're trying to be relevant like if they'd have done it just like two years later then there would let's netflix and chill (laughs) they throw that (laughs) reference in there well you know they'd used up their cunt quotient for that episode (laughs) not in terms of character plenty of cunts in the show but (laughs) yeah (laughs) right it's jack after the fact here just trying to get all our eggs in one basket so a couple of stray thoughts on desert 
designated survivor that I didn't get, I keep forgetting the name of the show, but I didn't get around to mentioning in this episode. So firstly, in the same vein as Tom Kirkman just fucking owning those stupid Russians and Ukrainians by speaking Russian to them, there's this one episode where this scathing satirist, I mean, realistically, this guy probably writes some, like, John Crace without the heroine type shitty little political sketch for the New Yorker or something. But, you know, this biting anti-establishment satirist, he says he thinks the establishment is cancer, has won as part of an award a meeting with Tom Kirkman, and Kirkman's aides are just so worried about this. They're like, oh, he's going to maul the president. But anyway, the president eventually meets him. His aides can't put it off forever. The president just completely bowls the guy over by just being like, I'm your biggest fan. Keep laying into me. It keeps me honest. This anti-establishment searing satirist is just fucking speechless, like, uh, uh, oh, Oh my god, Mr. President, thank you. I don't know what to say. This honour is beyond me. The show again positing that we all deep down know that essentially a conservative view of the world is a right one. And se secondly, there's a domestic crisis pretty early on, which is that it's speculated that essentially the president might be a cuck. Well, it turns out that actually his wife was with this shady white-collar criminal before she married him. But nonetheless, there's lots of speculation that his son may not actually be his son, and as is the way in Designated Survivor, that leads to a lot of kind of like, oh, is the president a real man, blah 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 blah, is he a cuck? Well yes, he is a cuck, but only politically. Uh, well, yeah, right. it's been great. Well, Great tearing yeah. apart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's been, it's been real fun, and we'll have to record something else again soon. Tom, it's been very real to have you on here, man. It's been far out and good. Thank you for being a UN observer to our elections activity. Our diplomatic crisis. Yeah. My surveyed <laughs> here was above order. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, sir. The UN weapons inspector has confirmed we do have WMD and it is our fire tank. <laughs> yeah. Right, I'm going to get a zoot rolled and watch some counter-terrorism form of hologram. Nice. I'm going to watch my own feed of my jihadists I keep in my basement. Uh, I'm going to attach electrodes to their nipples <laughs> and uh, waterboard them. I'm going to play heavy metal at jarring intervals, uh, and I'm going to plunge a knife directly into their hands like that guy in the one episode of Homeland. All the legal and above board interrogation. Great. Didn't ask you guys, how was your Christmases and stuff? Was it all good? All good, man. All good. Uh, quiet. It was all right, though. I'm sorry. I'm absolutely desperate for a pee. Okay. I've got to... Well, that was being good. Gotta... If you guys want to talk, then, you know, don't. All it was right. being good, Tom. Being good, yeah, Jack. Yeah. We'll have a chilled out chat scene, guys. That's we did it. Yeah, Thank definitely. You. Peace. Peace and love.
people. It's crowdsourcing.